We're on the record. I'm Sheila Cast. Good morning. Families who practice more than one religion can be faced with a lot to navigate, especially during holiday season. Inclusion, creating community, representation, all are important considerations that can receive a hyper-focus at this time. The Interfaith Families Project in Montgomery County has deep experience navigating through differences. Their community, which meets virtually and in person in Rockville, has been embracing and celebrating religious diversity for more than a quarter century. The two women who guide the way for the IFFP community are with us to talk about it. Reverend Samantha Gonzalez-Block is their Christian spiritual leader. Welcome to the show, Reverend Sam. Thank you so much for having me. And Rabbi Debbie Reichman is the Jewish spiritual leader there. Welcome, Rabbi Debbie. Good morning. Nice to meet you. Rabbi Debbie, when and why did the Interfaith Families Project start? Uh, In 1995, so a while back, four families that were Christian and Jewish uh, who were friends came together to discuss what they didn't have available to them, which was a Sunday school or even a place of worship where they could be comfortable being interfaith, doing both religions and teaching their children both religions. So they established the Interfaith Families Project in the living room. That's where we started. And it has grown from that, which started as a Sunday school to teach those kids to this uh, community that we have now of over 100 families virtually and in person that meet and worship together, teach Sunday school, and have our major holidays all together. And it was important to these families, these four, they were discussing it because they themselves were mixed families, Christian and Jewish parents? Yes, they were mixed families, and they didn't want to join a synagogue and a church and then reprogram what the kids learned in each one. Here's a clip from a gathering last Sunday. It's the Kindness Prayer, led here by Josie and Daviana Marcus. Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, as long as you ever can. Amen. Reverend Sam, I understand the prayer time for IFFP is not called a service. It's called a gathering. Tell us what a gathering is like. What What is included? Well, the gathering has really evolved over the years, and what it's become now is really a celebration of some of the important aspects of Judaism, some of the important traditions that you might see um, happening in a Christian church. And our community has even taken some of those traditions and made some of their own or adapted them over the years. And even since Rabbi Debbie and I have arrived, we've introduced new traditions into our community and they've embraced those as well. What's beautiful is we are a project and so that really creates a lot of room for flexibility and creativity. But the gathering in itself is a time to really come together in the morning to pray, to sing, to share joys, to share concerns. Uh, We read from Scripture, from the Hebrew Bible, and from the New Testament. And Debbie and I take turns preaching and sharing reflections, as we call them, uh, so that our community has a chance to think about some of the important aspects of these stories and and how they impact our lives today. Reverend Sam, how often do you gather? So we gather almost every Sunday morning together, followed by Sunday school and adult group. And where do you gather? 
We gather at uh, the Charles E. Smith Jewish Day School in Rockville, and we gather in a gymnasium in the school. And every week, I like to say we create a sanctuary. We walk in and there's almost a blank slate and we pull everything out of the closet and we create this worshipful, exciting, welcoming space with bagels and chairs and plants. And we really get to create this little world where everyone belongs and gets to come to and with their families and, and their friends as well. Uh, and it's a very exciting place. Rabbi Debbie, who are the people that make up the Interfaith Families Project? Well, now we are multi-generational, multicultural uh, families. So it's still the core are families with young children and uh, young teenagers who are attending the Sunday school. But we have parents whose kids are grown and flown who still come because they love the community. We have grandparents who have joined to be with their families and some independent people who came as friends or to visit and liked it so much they stuck around. Most of our group is local, which is to say they come from the District of Columbia, Maryland and Virginia suburbs. But we also have a global presence because we're virtual and we have families that tune in from all over the United States, uh, one family's in Romania and families in Canada. So we are all over the place and all types of people. This is On the Record. I'm Sheila Cass speaking with Rabbi Debbie Reichman and Reverend Samantha Gonzalez-Block. Together, they lead the Interfaith Families Project in Rockville, founded 28 years ago and still going strong. Um, Rabbi Debbie, you mentioned the community started with a desire for Interfaith Sunday School. How has that carried over? The Sunday School is still our main focus, I would say. We have students from pre-K through eighth grade, and each year of classes, each grade covers a different topic. For one for one year, it might be Bible stories. For another, it could be the holidays. When they get to their sixth grade onwards, they start preparing for a coming-of-age program. That's our eighth graders. But they spend some time uh, working on it. By the time they get to that point, they spend a year delving into some big issues, what we call the six questions. And they are, who am I? What does it mean to live a meaningful life? How do we build the beloved community? Why do bad things happen? Is there an afterlife? And who or what is God? Pretty heavy questions for these kids to look at, but they teach us something new every year, and it's fairly amazing. Yeah, a lot there to sort out. Um, and a different mood from, I, I'd like to hear this another clip from the gathering last Sunday. It's a poem written and recited by IFFP member Susan Priester. It's called Hanukkah on the Night Before Christmas. It was the night before Christmas and all through the house. The menorah is still dripping and the dreidels are out. The stockings are draped near the candles with care. The smell of fried latkes in our clothes, in our hair. All in our PJs, some feeties and felt, sucking on candy canes, eating our gelt. So many traditions we try to preserve, while our parents are thinking, how dare they, some nerve. But we want our kids to know joy, to feel love. So we meet in the middle with some help from above. We look to each other for tips and for tricks, praying at least some of all this stuff sticks. 
How we do it all is anyone's guess, especially in December. It's a mel of a hess. With the solstice upon us, so much dark, so much night, but we interfaith families see double the light. Reverend Sam, Christian and Jewish prayers are obviously quite different. And if you add the Hebrew element, that's even more of a difference. How do you strike the balance for the community you lead? Debbie and I always try to make sure there's Christian and Jewish prayers present in our gathering. And we always want to also make make sure that when we share these prayers, we share them in a way where everyone can latch hold of. We often will give some uh, some background as to why we're saying these prayers or offer ways for people to connect in. For example, when I offer a Christian prayer, I make sure in that prayer that I leave room in there for everybody to feel like it's a prayer for them. Um, and I even say, if prayer isn't what resonates with you, then you can enter into a time of reflection. And just to add to that, we are a community, yes, of, of folks who connect with Judaism and Christianity, but they connect in a whole bunch of different ways. And we also have people in our community that are atheist or agnostic. And so we also want to make sure that the prayers that we offer can be moving for them as well. I would add that we never leave Hebrew. You, you mentioned it specifically. So I never leave it untranslated. And I put it in context because a lot of these prayers are thousands of years old or very at minimum hundreds of years old. So times have changed. So I say this is what it was and this is what it can mean to you today, how we can ad adapt and appreciate it. And we... As Reverend Sam said, we know that our audience is not just Christian and Jewish. It, it includes other people and different ways of seeing prayer, different ways of actually seeing religion. We have people who are more culturally uh, focused and and others who are far more religious and observant. So we really try to run the gamut so that they're all comfortable. And then um, what we do is really put it in a place where everyone can access it and feel comfortable doing or not doing, not saying, so that they can all really engage with the community, which is really the focus. Some listeners might think this sounds like you're creating a new religion. Thanks for your question, but I hate to disappoint them. We're not. Here at IFFP, what we do is we try to teach about both religions side by side. We're not here to create a new religion, but rather we're here to give people tools and access to their Judaism and to their Christianity. Rabbi Debbie, what does it mean to you personally to be a spiritual leader for this community? This is literally my dream job. I became a rabbi after many years of being an attorney. I became a rabbi for the purpose of serving interfaith families, for being a resource to them, for being non-prescriptive. I don't tell people what to do. I say, where are you on your journey and how can I help you along in it? And this, of course, is a place where I am doing that every day and engaging in the beauty of at least two religions and what we share and what we don't share, which is interesting as well and does not need to be confrontational. It's about finding commonalities and joy and peace and love. Reverend Sam, what does leading the Interfaith Families Project mean to you? 
This is also my dream job. I grew up in an interfaith home myself uh, with a Jewish father and a Presbyterian mother, and we didn't have other families that looked like ours. And my parents did the best they could. They raised us up in both, giving us access and uh, pride about both of these traditions. And I still very much connect with both of the traditions that raised me. And I, when I became a Presbyterian minister, I knew that I wanted to serve interfaith families. I didn't know how and when. And when I learned about the Interfaith Families Project and got a chance to come visit, it was like a coming home. And the fact that now I get to sit here and work alongside Rabbi Debbie as the Christian spiritual leader is um, one of the most exciting things. And I feel like now I get to serve community, a community of people that look like my own family. And I am so thrilled that these families get to grow up alongside one another. And I'm so honored that I get to walk with them during these milestones and important steps of their journey. I'm grateful to you both for sharing your excitement about what you do. Thank you for telling us about it. Truly a pleasure. Thank you for having us. Reverend Samantha Gonzalez-Block is the Christian spiritual leader for the Interfaith Families Project in Rockville. Rabbi Debbie Reichman is the Jewish spiritual leader. We've been talking about how for nearly three decades, IFFP has been adept at embracing both faiths through community, education, and prayer. We've got more information about it at the On the Record page at WIPR.org. Short break now on The Record when we're back, how faith communities spread environmental awareness. I'm Sheila Cass. Stay with us. Welcome back to On the Record. I'm Sheila Cast. Today, we're learning about how bringing interfaith groups together can forge strong communities. We just heard from Rabbi Debbie Reichman and Reverend Samantha Gonzalez-Block, the clergy who lead the Interfaith Families Project based in Montgomery County. Now we're joined by Jody Rose, Executive Director of Interfaith Partners for the Chesapeake, or IPC. Welcome to On the Record, Jody. Thanks for having me. What is Interfaith Partners for the Chesapeake? We are a nonprofit organization that works with congregations of any faith throughout Maryland and into parts of other Chesapeake Bay states and the district um, to engage them in caring for the earth um, in projects that they manifest on their properties and the way that they educate their members and getting them involved in state and local um, advocacy issues to bring the faith voice to bear on those issues. Why did it start? There was a need. <laughs> there was a gap. Uh, there wasn't uh, back in about 20... 06, 07, um, a group of Presbyterians in the Baltimore area um, were discussing and recognizing that there was nobody speaking from the pulpit about Chesapeake Bay restoration issues. Um, and so they began to uh, coalesce and find other kindred spirits that also wanted to 
really elevate the faith and moral call to action with respect to Chesapeake Bay preservation and restoration issues. It grew from there um, and it was uh, renamed um, in 2013 to Interfaith Partners for the Chesapeake to um, encompass more than just Christian congregations. Um, and it has grown since then. You know, the faith community owns hundreds of thousands of acres throughout the Chesapeake Bay watershed. In, in Maryland alone, there are 5,000 congregations. Um, we've estimated there's about 19,000 across the Chesapeake Bay watershed. Um, so that is a lot of land that these institutions steward. It's a lot of facilities that they manage. Also, what's really important is that's millions of people that um, come to these faith communities and and learn from their spiritual leaders and are guided in moral thought. Um, so it's a really important voice in you know, not only Chesapeake Bay restoration issues, but just the, you know, everything we're facing in terms of a warming world and, you know, loss of species. Uh, we need that voice and we need um, that action to demonstrate that there are other ways to live in harmony with the earth. When you mention thousands of congregations in Maryland alone, I immediately picture the huge parking lots at all of those institutions, much of that space used um, only once a week. Is there anything you're doing to directly target transforming that paved space? Well, there's a lot um, that is going on. It's been going on for a number of years to reduce stormwater runoff. You may remember about 10 years ago, um, a utility fee was promulgated in the state of Maryland um, for all property owners, even those that are not paying taxes, um, to really begin to um, operationalize a reduction of stormwater runoff going into the rivers and streams. Um, congregations were uh, not exempt from that fee, but that is really when a lot of the um, parking lot retrofits that you're envisioning began to happen with the faith community. So many of them are um, redirecting stormwater into um, rain gardens and other types of practices to really slow the water down and get it down into the ground where, um, you know, it can refeed the aquifer and be filtered. They're planting trees to slow the water down from even getting to the parking lot. How many congregations are involved in Interfaith Partners for the Chesapeake? So we've engaged about 460 congregations. Uh, they've um, done a variety of things. Some have formed a green team. Others have done massive restoration projects. Um, beyond that, you know, we're, we are in communication with another um, 1,300 or 1,400 congregations beyond the 400. And over the past, 10 years or so since we've been really tracking with our database, about 230 projects and programs have, have occurred. What religions are represented in the participating congregations? It's a very diverse group of um, participating congregations, all flavors of Christianity that you can imagine, Jewish, Muslim, Hindu, um, Baha'i, Sikh, uh, we have um, Native American groups involved with us, um, Quakers, which are also Christian. So it's just, it's a really diverse group. Um, and 
you know, it is that diversity that brings such strength to the work that everybody's doing. That's Jody Rose, who heads Interfaith Partners for the Chesapeake. Here on The Record on WIPR, I'm Sheila Cast. We're talking about how the nonprofit engages faith groups and trains them to implement environmental programs in their communities. Talk more about the programs you offer. There, there's a Faithful Green Leaders training program. Yes, that's a training that we offer that's free to congregations. We offer it um, in March and in October. Um, and we've trained almost 170 green teams in the past couple years. We started this program in 2020. And those teams, about 87% of them have gone on to do some type of project or program. So we know it's really a powerful tool that helps congregations kind of begin their ministry to uh, not only change things at their property, but teach their members. Um, We also have a couple other programs. Uh, We're really excited about our Trees for Sacred Places program that, um, you know, you've probably heard that Maryland is trying to plant 5 million trees over the next eight or nine years. Uh, So trying to get the congregations involved in that. We are gonna have a summit coming up in February, our very first gathering of our green teams. So kind of like a conference for the green teams to come and learn more about some of the topics that they, um, you know, need to address at their congregations and learn about what's happening at the legislative, the Maryland legislative session coming up. Um, So we'll get really involved in the Maryland legislature to, try to advance understanding and awareness um, on a couple of our priorities. What will be your focus? So we have two bills um, that we are focused on this session. Um, One is called the Whole Watersheds Approach, which is going to encourage um, state agencies to think a little differently about project planning and concentrate projects in concentrated geographies. They're going to recommend five sub-watersheds in the Maryland area um, and really try to focus funding and technical resources to advance projects in those five concentrated areas. The other priority that we'll be focusing on is probably going to be called something like an environmental justice permitting bill. Um, That is being put forth by Delegate Boyce out of Baltimore City. Um, It will require the Maryland Department of Environment when they are approving permits to look at other factors, um, not just what are the merits of that specific permit being requested, but what are some of the other impacts that maybe are accumulating in that area. So is this an environmental justice area already? Are there already multiple permits in this area? So it will require the agency to consider those other factors, and it gives them the authority to decline a permit if those factors indicate that one more siting of an industrial facility in that neighborhood um, could be detrimental. So those are two really important bills that we're going to be following. Um, and there are, you know, there's going to be a lot of environmental bills. And, you know, we just hope people will get involved and make their voice heard. Zoom out for me. What is the strength in engaging faith communities for environmental concerns? So I think there's two strengths. Um, I mentioned the vast amount of land that they steward. Um you know, and, and, and it's not like they're selling these properties every couple years, right? I mean, these properties are in their um, possession and in their uh, responsibility for decades, if not longer, 
um, as longstanding faith institutions. So they have the great potential to um, institute all sorts of climate mitigating practices, stormwater reduction practices. That in and of itself is such a, a powerful um, you know, reason for them to get involved. And of course, you know, demonstrating this to the various people that attend their communities um, and go home and go to their own homes or go to their offices and think differently about what is beautiful. And so it's, it's really important. Um, it's tapping a, a group of people that might otherwise not be tuning in to some of the environmental concerns of our day. But by the fact that they are attending their faith institution and hearing it or seeing it um, from their spiritual leaders is really powerful. And then bringing that voice uh, collectively um, to have influence over decision-making, over how grants are issued, over how projects are prioritized. Um, you know, the, the faith community is really uh, getting quite involved, getting very sophisticated um, with some of the support that they're receiving from the various organizations um, and are having great influence over what's really happening here in our region in terms of addressing climate change and um, being part of the solution for the Chesapeake Bay. Jody, thanks for telling us about your work. Thank you. Thank you. Jody Rose is executive director of Interfaith Partners for the Chesapeake. The nonprofit trains faith communities which want to start environmental programs in their communities. We've got more information at the On the Record page at wypr.org. I'm Sheila Cass. Glad you're with us on the record. Come back tomorrow. <laughs>